0: You're listening to the Empowering Process Podcast with your host, Gail Kraft. Listen as she holds frank discussions around how your purpose, being present, and trusting your power impacts your life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, leader, or developing your vision, you'll find wisdom and insights you can utilize right now. Welcome your host, Gail Kraft. Hi everybody, Gail Craft here from the Empowering Process Podcast. And I have with me Christian LaFleur. And Christian is the founder. Are you the founder of I'm a nonprofit? Founder and CEO. Oh, great. Oh, great. Of instant nonprofit. And so he will help you figure out how to get become a nonprofit and take you through the process at half the price and very little effort on your part. If it fits the bill, and he'll tell you a little bit more about what that is. And we're gonna talk a little bit today about fears, fears of the future and the types of things that he went through and types of things that I've gone through um, to kind of help us learn to deal with it and to get over it. So welcome Christian, tell us a little bit about your nonprofit.
1: Thank you so much. Yes, we are a for-profit company. We have a yeah. nonprofit alongside of us. We're, we're just a company that helps people start a nonprofit with very little effort. We take you from idea to IRS approved tax exempt status with a 100% done for you process so that you can stay focused on your mission. Because what we find is people get bogged down in the bureaucracy or they pay an attorney a big retainer and guess what, there's no guarantee with that. We have 100% IRS approval guarantee. We make it all easy because helping the kids or, uh, you know, doing something good in the environment or for animals, whatever the purpose is that you have, that's the unique gift that you bring to the world. We want to help you stay focused on that.
0: You know, and what's interesting, so we're talking about fear of the future and uh, so many people have amazing ideas and then don't follow through because they don't know what to do. Right. Or, and, and they're afraid to ask. Right. And we also talked, we chit beforehand uh, about, you know, if you let people know that you're looking for something, someone will reach out and give you a hand. Right. Yeah. You just need to let them know. So there's, there's this fear, right. That kind of sets in. And sometimes um, the, the fear can be that of success. Right. I had a fear of success. I'll tell you when I started and I didn't even know it. (laughs) What happens if I succeed? Oh, no. Right. Um, So talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges you had in the journey to becoming who you are and your business becoming what it is that held you back until you realized that, you know, success or whatever it was that you were afraid of was something that you could overcome.
1: That's a big, uh, this is a three-hour show, right? (laughs) Uh, Um, Now
0: Give us the cliff notes.
1: (laughs) But, you know, purpose is something, I mean, you know, from Brene Brown to whomever, everyone is talking about, find your purpose, live your passion, all that stuff. Well, there are multiple layers, as you know, of, of doing that. And it's a constant process of discovery, as I have discovered, much to my chagrin. Every time I think I've got it figured out, I had to learn that I am never going to have it figured out. But- when I was eight years old, my mom uh, had taken my sister to the doctor. She was about almost four. And when they pulled in the driveway, my mom called to me from the front porch in North Jersey. I'm out, in the, you know, in the woods in the backyard, and with my on my bike with my friends. And she called me in and she explained to me that uh, she said, you know, your your little sister, as you know, isn't talking yet. She's nonverbal, and and it's kind of late for for that to start happening. So we found out that even though your sister appears to be normal or, or like all the other kids, she isn't and, and she's special and we're probably going to have some, you know, adjustments to make over the years. And I'm like, uh, whatever, mom, you know, she's she laughs. She cries. She's my little sister. Don't have anyone to compare her to. I, we're good. And I ran back out to play with my friends. What I didn't realize is that planted a little seed in me and I got in my first fist fight in in school in third grade, not too long after that, when they were mainstreaming, you remember in the 70s, they were mainstreaming special kids, right? Into kids with special needs, into schools, out of institutions. And some kids in the hall were making fun of the special kids and I went off. And so I'd go on about my life. And in about 2010, I decided to start a nonprofit with, uh, with a few friends. And I said, why don't you guys go build the website and, and you know, maybe raise a little money and I'll do the application part. I mean, how hard can that be? And I became morally outraged when I called the IRS and they said that it would take a year to approve the application. And I thought about growing up around Special Olympics and all of these amazing people who helped people like my sister. And I said, this is BS, that if you wanna start a used car lot, uh, no offense to used car lot owners, but, that should not be a hundred times easier than doing good for other people. And I said, somebody has to do something about this. So I, uh, I took the little extension they gave me for my IRS agent and who was of course, never there when I called. And I just changed the last two numbers knowing that I probably get someone in the IRS to, exempt organizations department. And I dialed like, like crazy, probably 20 or 30 extensions North and South of that number. And I just would get somebody on the phone and say, why is this so hard and what would make the perfect application what would make your day and allow you to punch this you know stamp this uh, an application approved and go out to lunch early and i took all of what i learned and i curated it into what i call the love letter to a bureaucrat and i mean who loves bureaucrats not me but there's a human on the other end of this what if i could make their day with sending them like the perfect file and i got a 45-day approval in the face of about a year average and I knew I was on to something at that point.
0: And so so this is not really the fear of the future. This is the future turning into something that you never thought it would be.
1: Well, that's true. But what I learned in the process of being in business, right? So once I learned this and some friends in town found out that I could do this, we started a little school and it just kind of blossomed from there. But what I learned as far as fear of the future is that as I ran, Kind of headlong into this, um, that it was the demons and the the things that really confounded me in my in my life, in my operating system, that were my biggest barriers. And that was true in in you know whether it was my marriage, my relationship with my kids, um, money, uh, business, that I had these limiting beliefs that were keeping holding me back, and and just so. I became pretty fearful and I, and I developed horrible anxiety. Um, I just found myself unhappy, even though I had a business that had a great purpose. And that's where I learned to face into fear and actually to seek out um, the, the places that I have fear to lean into those because there's so much gold to be gotten from there. And I had to go through a little bit of hell to realize that that is the path to freedom.
0: A lot of people are even afraid to lean into the fear, right? As you as you say. Um, and that just simply means to embrace it and, and learn from it. So I, ha- I have a, a training that I do. It's called The Dark Side. And it's not about dark magic. It's not about evil. It really is about looking at the pain that we hide from and understanding that that is part of who we are. And it's telling us a story. It's giving us information, right? And um, fear, it's not something that you should run away from. It's something that you should pay attention to because it's either telling you, hey, watch out, there is something to worry about, right? Or watch out, there's something you're hanging on to, right? Yeah, that that you need to let go of. of
1: sorry i spent so much of my life i realized when i had this sort of massive conflagration like everything was on fire in my life and i was stressed and unhappy and i just didn't understand i mean i had beautiful you know great kids and, and a business that actually helps people and you know all of these things and i was so unhappy inside and it was because i was trying to outrun my demons i was trying to i didn't realize i was doing this but i was trying to run faster than that darkness that shadow and since the shadow is part of me the faster I ran the tireder I got and that shadow was right there behind me and it, I didn't it doesn't go that. away <laughs> no no and I, I, it, it, it's it's exhausting it's and
0: exhausting. finally I,
1: I I stopped doing that and I, I turned around and faced a lot of these things and found like I said I didn't even I grew up in an abusive home I would have never said that ten years ago um, and I didn't realize that I couldn't just kind of dance a happy jig and say, well, I, I, I get by on my wits and charm and people like me and, what, and, and not face that stuff and not actually have to deal with it because we can't just um, change our lives and change our way of looking at ourselves without fundamentally like fixing the operating system. And that's what these crises bring to us, whether it's a, a medical event a divorce or or a, a bankruptcy or whatever you know um these are things that i've realized these are things that you know i haven't experienced each of those but they're all sort of metaphors for this confronting that something needs to be addressed and it's really out of love that your own soul your own existence wants you to clear that up so that you can live free of those things and man i'm so thankful to even be saying these words because i there was a many points that i didn't think I could go on another day like like I
0: was. Oh, well, honestly, as so a Christian, there was a, a time um, I was very successful at a very young age in in corporate America, and I all of my energy like ran. I and I I say now I ran into leadership. I ran into climbing the ladder. I ran into doing more and and being the best. I ran into being better than the person next to me. Whatever it took to be better than right. Um, And I was running, and I was running, and I was running. And then a few years into that, I moved out to San Diego. And this is, you know, I'm sorry, listeners, if you're tired of hearing this, but too bad. Um, Only to get fired, right? Only to get fired. And at that point, I became so toxic that I even couldn't stand myself. Oh yeah. Which was awesome. Right. Awesome. So, so this the traumas that you're talking about, the chaos, um, because I started to question, well, what was I doing that I was so successful there? And what was I doing that I was not? What was I not doing? Right. Asking all of those really tough questions and being honest with myself. I didn't have to tell anyone else what the answers were, but honest with myself. That I was the, the factor that was present in every situation. I was the one who created every situation. I'm the one who owns and is responsible for the outcomes of every situation. What does that mean moving forward? No guilt, no shame. No, I should have, I could have, I would have. Um, I should not have been in that company. I should have left the day one. Yeah. You know, um, the fact that they fired me is was a blessing. I should not have been there. Um and I thank them for it, because if I was still there, I'd be so miserable. Um, but I stayed because of the fear of the future. I stayed because what will I do if I don't have this income?
1: Oh, yeah. I that right? brought into my life because of the sense that I something was wrong or broken or missing in me prior to this sort of life crisis, just 360 degree fire, as I call it. Um, prior to that, I was trying to uh, live in that I do. You know, I, I have a company that helps people start rescue animals, or or whatever the nonprofit purpose is, clean up the environment, help kids do uh, run a little league team, etc. And so. I was like, well, if I if I if this, if this goes down, you know, I won't be able to help people. I won't be able to feed my family. All of those fears kind of mounted so that I found myself that's that running faster. I'm sitting in my basement of of my, you know, beautiful home with a with a pool in the back in Colorado going, I can't afford to lose all of this. And it's exactly what caused me to lose all of it was holding on to it so tightly. And so I remember the day of that I call the beginning of wisdom for me is I'm I'm in out of my house. I'm in a borrowed bedroom of a of a friend. Uh, my I not my car's gone. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm I'm staring at the ceiling and I start thinking, I'm a very resourceful person, right? And I start thinking about what I can do to fix the situation, figure it out, make it better. And the first time that I realized that that was whatever I thought of. It didn't matter what I thought of. Whatever I would think of would be part of the thinking that got me to where I was. I call that the beginning of wisdom. And I just got very still and quiet and realized that nothing, I couldn't do anything. And that was sort of a level of acceptance I had never encountered before. And I obviously wasn't sitting around doing nothing. I went and and um, I happened to have this uh, this sort of four-day retreat uh, that just happened to be scheduled before this event, before this kind of, you know, fire. And it was coming up right after being sort of left with, without the ability to do anything about anything. And I discovered that I had these negative, uh, this negative self-talk and all of these things that were driving my fears. And it was because, you know, my, my, my dad, um, uh, who's, who's still alive, was was not treated well at all he was he was abused he was his dad was pretty pretty horrible Um, and so I realized that I had some things some work to do and that I had to put these other things aside and just focus on myself putting my own oxygen mask on and whatever happened from there I just that's it maybe I would be you know, uh, renting some room and some rooming maybe all of those things would be true. And so sort of what Tim Ferriss calls fear setting, I didn't know it was called fear setting or that he had a label for it, but it's like, I had to look at the worst case and go, I'm going to be okay and alive. And that's what I'm, it's, it's all I have to, to, to deal with. It's, it's like, that's the reality. And once I got that level of acceptance that as bad as things would get, it was only X. Or not only but you know it, I could I could see I could define it. That enabled me to just kind of, you know, some people call it hit, hitting rock bottom. I don't use that term but um, it helped me to go okay. Let me just be quiet, and think about some of these things at a completely different level, um, and receive some wisdom and, and receive some things that I hadn't been to. all my busyness had kept me from hearing. and. Lo and behold, I mean, it has been you know six years now, probably, and slowly, all of those things have come back to me. My business, my relationship with my kids—I have a wonderful relationship for five years now. All of these things have come back to me on my own terms, in a really beautiful, organic way. When I thought I had lost the ability to have any of those.
0: Right, and that, and that is the amazing thing. So, so I, I have a training course that I put together years ago, and it's all about navigating change. And that's exactly what is going on every day of our life, right? And there are cycles that you go through. Uh, I like using getting proposed to as an example. Okay, so I'm the woman. My love comes to me and gets on his knees and proposes to me, or it could be a woman, it doesn't matter, I get proposed to, right? And I am so happy, I am high as a kite, I am so thrilled. And then I realize my life is about to change, right? And I am looking forward, looking into the future about, I'm gonna be moving in with this person. This is forever day in and day out. Now my energy is going down, right? Oh, how much laundry am I going to do? I'm gonna have to pick their socks off the floor. The socks, the oh my socks. God, they're slobs, right? All of the the the, the living together itty b- they squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, whatever. <laughs> right. And you get down to the bottom where you're now, I call it, you're rolling around in the mud, right? In the in the in the chaos and in the mud. And and you hate it and you're resisting it and you're like, You maybe even break off, right? I don't know if I want to do this thing because it's going to be so horrible, right? But then you have the opportunity to stay there or say, wait a minute, but they get me flowers for no reason. They take me out to dinner. They cook an amazing breakfast on Sundays. So what if I have to clean up afterwards? I don't have to cook the breakfast, right? And you start to see the positive side of the potentiality instead of the negative, the fear, but the potential. And then you get to an 11, a level of acceptance, right? And it's going through and looking at the potentiality of the possibilities of what could happen if you are projecting, yep, right? Absolutely. Um, I would encourage you to not project. That is impossible. We are human beings. We project, right? Because we plan. If you find yourself projecting negatively and you start to feel resistance and you start feeling that in your body, look at the potential. Look at the potential for positive growth, positive outcome. And if you're still feeling that resistance, Ask yourself if you're making the right decision for you.
1: Absolutely. And, right. you know, there's a, there's a couple of different philosophies, right? There's action. I am an action taker. I love taking action um, and I love doing things, but sometimes that's actually gotten in the, in the way of me receiving this kind of, you know, wisdom that's much deeper and either comes from deep within us or, you know, uh, from the the quantum field god our purpose our destiny you know there's all kinds we won't get to any of those conversations today i'm sure but um being still can sometimes just allow something deeper to come along and so when we think about fear of the future and especially in what i like i i liken the pandemic to a, a centrifuge all the forces that were there already we were already on a merry-go-round now it's like a centrifuge spinning really fast and it's forcing people to take a look at do my values match my actions or do my actions match my values the things that i really care about and when people are leaving the workforce or their current jobs in droves when they're refusing to go back to the office when they are spending more time at home having to face and deal with the kids the spouse the dog all of that stuff it's, it's a centrifuge that's kind of multiplying the forces that were already there that we were able to kind of quietly stuff because we live in a country of abundance or we are able to distract with Netflix streams and martinis or whatever you know our, our drug of choice is. And uh, Netflix is definitely a drug of choice of a lot of people. And so we, we can start looking at what, what is our purpose. And so that's where fear of the future can actually be helpful right how do you harness this fear how do you say okay i don't if you if you, i'm thinking about myself five years from now and i don't want to be in this role anymore in this position at work can you translate that and trans and transmute that energy into something positive and that's where we come along and help people start a 501c3 nonprofit where they can actually get paid from the money they raise that's not a conflict of interest people ask me that all the time Um, You can be the founder, you can be the president of the board, the and and the and an officer and and a director, and also be a paid staff on a W2 or a 1099 contract with the nonprofit that you founded, Um, as long as you're not doing it for more than market value right so people start going okay well what are my options, if I'm not completely feeling fulfilled in what I'm doing right now, can I pivot into starting a nonprofit. Some people increment their way and start part-time or they just do it on a volunteer basis. Maybe they have been helping foster dogs find homes by just dialing friends and posting on Facebook. And now the dog food bills and all the other things, I mean, we have customers call all the time or people who aren't customers yet call all the time. They're doing something good and they go, can I make this a real thing? And often the answer is yes. But sometimes it takes that fear to pop us out of our current reality and force us through the little wormhole into some new opportunities and new um, you know, new ways of living and thinking about ourselves that can be really exciting because when you wake up to serve your purpose versus grinding out another spreadsheet, it can make all the difference in the world. And then Absolutely. The it's much easier when you're doing the spreadsheets for the dogs than the I, spreadsheets for the you know uh, decimals in some ledger of a company that you really don't care about.
0: You know, I, I can tell you during my my years of success, thinking oh, how important in the grand scheme of things is this bullshit that I'm doing anyway, right? Um, when I decided because I didn't like corporate, I did not like. Senior leadership. I stepped down from senior leadership and came back down to middle level. And I decided to become a project manager because that kept me, it gave me the things I like to do and kept me at a level that wasn't too high. And I would be handed projects. This is, is going to be done by September 25th. Why? Because it's not going to get done by September 25th. It's physically impossible. So, why? Oh, because that's the day I'm picking. Well, you pulled that date out of your ass, right? <laughs> right? And i'll I'll give you a, a story of the company that I started working for. I went to my first meeting, and the this person was facilitating, and she was one of my customers. She would have been one of my people that I would be working with. And she's presenting this project and I'm like, Oh my God, it's going to fail. So I walked out of the meeting with my boss and, and, and I said, Oh, this is not going to make it. I I would really, I'm uncomfortable being part of this, knowing it's going to fail. What I know if I take it over, I can make it work. And she says, well, go tell her because she'd be happy to hand it to you. Right. So I took it over and that project had to be completed by the end of the year. Why? Because the vice president was gonna get a bonus if it was completed by the end of the year. Well, guess what? There's no way in hell, because I picked this up mid-October, it was gonna be done by the end of the year because nothing had been done to begin with. Up The wrong people were in the room, the wrong resources, everything. So I went to him and asked, what's the agreement that you have specifically that your bonus is contingent on? What's the language say? We have to have a live transaction process through by, we can do that because we will test a live transaction. And we tested a live transaction before the end of the year, and that gave us until we weren't done until the middle of February. But he got his bonus, and I was able to give him what he needed, right? Because that deadline was unreachable; it was not going to happen. And you know, having that extra six weeks made, made gave us the opportunity to put something into production that was viable, that wasn't going to break, right? And that would service
1: the customer, right? This is is where letting go, right? You could have resented that wall. That's his, you know, he's getting this. I'm not getting this. You could have had all that resistance against that. But you actually said, okay, I'm just going to take the emotion out of it. And we're going to go after the real goal. And only by doing that, were you able to do that incisive look into the actual language of what the goal was and help reach it so that he got what he wanted and you got what you wanted. Right. It's looking at opportunity. Right. Right.
0: Right. And I could have been, I mean, I, I was, was fearful, right? Because this is a brand new job (laughs) and I knew I was going to fail on this project based on the criteria that i was given
1: so fear setting that we talked about a minute ago is looking at the worst case and literally imagining that only in so far right we don't want to go do like neville goddard and 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 put ourselves in that and, and try to reproduce the feeling of that in reality but we at least want to go you know it's okay I, I can accept that level of risk because it's, it's not, I'm, I'm alive uh, or right. I am going to experience X, right. I will get some change. It just might not be what I want. So fear settings, one side of it, the other side is, but you know, and, and it kind of speaks to what you did in that example is you um, you could have gotten stayed in the fear that this can't happen. I don't know how this is going to happen and spent all your time and energy um, explaining or trying to, go against the reality that the reality was this person wanted their bonus right but instead you turn those fears around and you were able to make something happen by letting go of some of the details and that is so true when people are starting something you know a a a, a job, essentially a business based on their passion. A nonprofit is simply another business entity. Now, a lot of our, P, our a lot of our customers and it's nonprofit.com come along having already been entrepreneurs. They're just serial entrepreneurs. This next one happens to be social. So a nonprofit corporation with tax exempt status is suitable and we help them with that. Um, but some people have never been in business before. They're leaving corporate, they're leaving that safe shell of structure and they go well. I don't know if I can do this. Uh, again, if, if you can take a look at the fear and and identify it, write those down. What are what are the things that I'm concerned about, and what can you do to mitigate them? You can start with little low risk. You can start part time. Um, you can put this thing together in a way that if it doesn't work, that's okay. You still got lots of dog. You know, I keep using the foster dog example, but. You got lots of animals the homes that they needed in the interim, and you felt really fulfilled. Maybe it goes on to be a volunteer led organization or something. Um, so, there's lots of ways to get around fear and go, and just like you did, how can you get what you want? And how can you get that vice president what he wants? And in the case of starting a nonprofit, it's like, how can I get this uh, cause enacted in the world? and feel more fulfilled and more connected to the daily work that I'm doing, making my activities match my values and get both of those things without everything else falling apart. Exactly. And sometimes that's what we do on strategy calls. Um, we'll have a strategy call and somebody says, can I do this? I have a question. Can I pull a part-time paycheck through this nonprofit? I have some friends that would be willing to fund it. What have you. There are lots of ways to, to get around and, and work these things out on the way to starting a social venture by starting a nonprofit.
0: Exactly. Well, you have some activity going on there, so I'm going to cut this short. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to cut this short. I do want you to let people know how they can get in touch with you if they want to know more about
1: what you do. Absolutely. If they go to instantonprofit.com slash Gail Craft, they can get a wonderful gift of a nonprofit bootcamp. It's a, it's a 10 lesson bootcamp on all the what, what do you need to know in order to even go into a nonprofit? Uh, how do you come up with a name? How do you come up with a nice, concise mission statement that makes people wanna take that next step and get involved with you? And all of the other things that you need to start a nonprofit, that's right in the free bootcamp. You can also schedule a strategy session so you can walk through some of those questions, face some of those fears, get them out there. Because when you shine sun, sunlight, on those fears, they do tend to melt, melt away. And then you can also just get lots of downloads and free information off of our website by going to that link at uh, instantonprofit.com slash we are a doll.
0: So, um, and all that information will be in the write-up um, when this goes live. So thank you everybody for listening to the Empowering Process podcast and a little bit about fear of the future. This is Gail Craft. And if this resonated with you, please do like it, share it, let us know. And if you know somebody that maybe could benefit from this, lead them to it, share out the link. We would love to hear from them. Everyone have a great day, Christian. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Gail.
0: Thank you for listening to the Empowering Process Podcast. Be sure to visit Gail at gailcraft.com to learn more about how she serves thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and goal seekers. And remember, if you like this broadcast, be sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.